couldn't be religious and gay. It was impossible. I was being marketed as some sort of like teenage it girl. When a girl kissed me on my 18th birthday, a whole other world opened up to me. I was a minor nuisance. Eight Australians will tell you about the choices that have led them to unexpected places. These are some of the stories you will hear on Let Me Tell You, a podcast where real people tell incredible real stories. Look for Let Me Tell You and follow wherever you get your podcasts. This country is changing. No, Canada's not Gilead. America wasn't Gilead. Until it was. And then it was too fucking late. Luke, we have to go. You don't own me. I know your property. So take a shifty little bitty eye over me. June's hurt. My June? A truck hit her on purpose. They want to kill her in Toronto. Who does? How do you know that? Is she okay? She's alive. They never let anyone get away. Fuckers. Welcome to Eyes on Gilead, our weekly podcast dedicated to The Handmaid's Tale. There is a lot going on in this show and we think it helps to talk it out after every episode. I'm Fiona Williams and when I'm not doing this, I'm Head of Curation at SBS On Demand and I'm joined once again to wrap up this season by my colleagues, friends and fellow resistors. Natalie Hambly, Managing Editor of SBS Voices. Hello. Heidi Island, Channel Manager of SBS On Demand. Hi. And Sana Kadar, host of ABC Radio National's All in the Mind. Hi. Hello. We've reached the finale. <laughs> it's time to <laughs> recap the final episode of Season 5 of The Handmaid's Tale. That's it. There are no more until they write it, until they make it. <laughs> so, yeah, let's let's go to town on the season finale. It is called Safe and it was written by Bruce Miller and directed by Elizabeth Moss. Under threat, June must find a way to keep herself and her family safe from Gilead. This is what happens in a fight. Everyone gets bloody. Everyone. And its supporters in Toronto. We're not safe here anymore. No, you're not. That was a short one. <laughs> I was expecting more there. Yeah, no, that, that's pretty much. And we're done. Thanks. See you next season. Um, it's hard to write a synopsis for a final episode without giving away anything, isn't it? It's true. Yeah, they, they walk that line by withholding everything. <laughs> so what stood out? Last time, season five, uh, who wants to go first this time? I'm going to go you, Natalie. What stood out for you? Me? Oh, my gosh. There were so many things. Um, that's kind of <laughs> hard to choose one. So I'm going to go with the flower bed because we were talking about <laughs> it last week and we were saying <laughs> that it was sort of symbolic of um, June's connection to Hannah. And, geez, it's a bit grim. It uh, <laughs> it very much looked like a gravesite instead. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and this was an episode like to end the season, and Hannah is pretty much on the back burner. And as we were saying last week, she's been this driving force that sort of drives the plot and and drives June's actions. And so for me, going oh, where was Hannah in this episode? And even Luke pointed out, you know, we're not like forgetting about her. But I think that flower bed was really, for me this week, was like, oh, that is a little bit dire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also, you know, across the season, she's been putting down roots in Canada and whatnot. And I mean, she's yeah. up and out of there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So>. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. 
very, very conspicuous by its absence. Sana, how about you? What stood out for you this episode? I think overall for me, what stood out was how this episode was shot. There was a lot happening in the visual language here. There was a lot of horror elements, even the sound design. But particularly, the, my standout standout was um, basically the season began with all those high angle versus low angle shots of Serena looming over June and sometimes June over Serena. I think we had a couple of those. And it was kind of this face off of who was going to end up on top and who was going to be down and out. And it ends with them eye to eye on the exact same level, staring at each other in the same shitty position, (laughs) which I just thought was kind of brilliant because the whole time I was thinking, yeah, one of them is going to be on top. One's going to be on the bottom. Who's it going to be? And of course, they're amazing and they always do the thing you don't expect, at least for me anyways. And they're, yeah, on the same level. So I thought that was really cool. Mm, Stuck on a train. No, (laughs) no one has the upper hand, really. Yeah. Yeah. And Haiti, how about you? I think a standout for me was seeing one of my one of my predictions come true, at least for a little bit, and that's seeing uh, Janine returned mm. to Naomi mm. <laughs> as uh, a potential handmaid for Lawrence and Naomi in the new Lawrence household. Yeah, that was just a nice little moment where uh, I saw that kind of happen and and all the kind of delicious possibilities that could come from that posting, although it may not be happening anymore. (laughs) I think Janine's prepared to that, yeah. Um, I do love the two of your predictions or things you'd wanted, Haiti. You get them for a split second. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You don't ask for much and you don't get them very long. (laughs) Um, for me, I don't know. It's really hard. For one thing, I should never be so forceful with my predictions because <laughs> I'm always made to look for the next week. Anyway, um, a little one, silly one. What is with Tuilo handing out a contract right on the border between Canada and Gilead? <laughs> All the time from the hospital to the bridge. <laughs> but no, at the very last minute. Here's your contract, by the way, right before you set foot in Gilead. I don't know. I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> He must have some busy lawyers. Also, why are there no guards anywhere on the border? Like, why is that an unmanned border? Oh, I like that. I think, like, who's going into Gilead? (laughs) Who's going into Gilead? But lots of people going into Canada, surely. (laughs) Yes, yes. I feel like there were more on the other side, but um, yes. (laughs) Some hands shaken and some backs turned, I think. Exactly. Slipped them a Canadian buck or two. All right. (laughs) Look, we've danced around it. Let's just head right in. Uh, So, yes, first shot is the increasingly quiet street that June and Luke and Moira live on. And, yes, we zoom in on June's back and the absent flower bed in the wake of last week's shooting. So, yes, it looks like a grave. Um, Clearly there have been a lot of memorials happening. But first, June's been doing some online shopping. It's very relatable. Um, But she's been buying a bulletproof vest for all of these memorials. She clearly sees herself as a target and she wants to be prepared when she gives a prayer at the next memorial service due to happen. There's no talk of exactly what the damage was last week, but there's been at least 19 funerals in five days. So, yeah, there's, there's, this is the, the immediate fallout of that. Mm. Well, the arrival of um, this bulletproof vest and her trying it on is also the arrival of something that keeps coming back this episode, and I was really hoping you guys could kind of explain it to me, which is the mirrors. There were so many mm. mirrors, mm. and they were always yeah. sort of seemed to be in three panels. 
and this is where it starts, mm. like with her trying on the vest. And, and Luke appears yep. in a really sort of creepy yeah. way behind her as well. <laughs> <laughs> but the mirror thing keeps yeah. coming back. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I'd love to get your thoughts on what that means. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Out here. Mirrors and windows. Like it June throughout mm. this episode is framed in windows. And same with Janine as well, like just everywhere. And especially in this scene as well, is where I first noticed it, where she sits down at the windowsill and is like dead center of the windows. And I think the mirrors and windows are doing the same sort of thing. Like, you know, the three reflections in the mirrors are, you know, these different paths they could be taking, these alternate versions of like what's gonna happen for them. Perhaps that's what that's reflecting reflecting haha um and then the windows (laughs) symbolize also you know like other worlds and other possibilities and it's the delineation between inside and outside and they're about to burst forth and and go in a different direction so i think i think those two are doing that kind of role i don't know did anyone else have other (laughs) ideas Mm, i like that uh well yeah for me well they we've seen those mirrors in the ballet episode season two when um Mm. both serena and june had one i made the comment of like who's got all these fancy triple mirrors but the the way Luke is absent he's standing behind June a lot this episode like they're not really aligned and like the eye lines are not matching but he does seem kind of threatening so his whole protector vibe he does insist on that a little bit until and then he has his remarkable turnaround that's huge for him to realize she's safer without him at the very end but yeah just the way she takes the vest off when he leaves the room which I think is kind of mm. um, was kind of an interesting cue of what might happen across the episode and also her feet as she was gets the package there's a very lengthy shot of her feet yes away from the house like just a kind of uh, yeah, it yeah. lingers with them there and I thought, oh, what's that about? That's where I was starting to think there was mm. horror vibes going on, the sort of low slong <laughs> zoom well. we started with and then the feet and then we don't see June for ages and there's lots of long, slow shots in this episode, particularly the, really that are. really long swinging one that we'll, <laughs> we'll get yeah. to. But I was watching Midsummer over the weekend too after I watched this and, <laughs> and I got similar vo- vibes from like the, the long, <laughs> slow shots and like creepy kind of sound design of like the weird strings that start or drone, I don't know what it was, when the package arrived. Mm. Yes, and June's placement in the in the mirror reflection, like later on she's in that third portion of the mirror. So that was kind of, yeah, interesting. I mean, it's a we've kind of seen her in two worlds. We've seen her with Luke in outside of Gilead by herself in Gilead. We haven't seen her in Canada alone, which I guess is where we're getting to. I don't know. I'm reached, clutching the straws again. It's all I do. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's funny that we've called out all of the doorways and people passing through doors in previous episodes and now it seems like that visual metaphor has ceased and been replaced by these really strong windows and mirrors in this final episode. Mm. I feel like a lot of the characters have been going through these transitions over the course of the season, but in this final episode each of them reach some kind of breaking point and realisation. Maybe there's something in that kind of Mm. bouncing the reflection back on you and having a moment of realisation or something. Hmm. Yeah, well, all those characters who are framed in this episode, so June, Janine, Aunt Lydia is framed in the the three mirror around Naomi in the the dress Mm. shop as well, um, Mm. and Luke, they all make a decision to do something that takes them on a totally different path in this episode. Mm. Mm. So that's, yeah, that's where I see all that. And I mean, the way this show mirrors, the characters mirror each other just every <laughs> week <laughs> and the dialogue mirrors itself. I mean, again, the mirrors. <laughs> yeah, love it. <laughs> so from the house where the last shot is her, her taking off the vest, then we go into Gilead, that top shot of 
all of the men, like ants um, mm. around that um, very stark building, Nick and Lawrence. So Nick's heard about the attack at the vigil and wants a word with the very busy, busy Joseph Lawrence, his <laughs> wedding day or the start of the festivities for his wedding. But um, <laughs> Nick wants a quiet word. Just too busy to talk to Nick. <laughs> right. I thought it was odd how Lawrence said that um, June always had choices, that line, mm. because what choice did she really have? And does he truly believe that? What is he talking about? Oh, I think he's still reeling from her not choosing him. Yeah. He had one big mm-hmm. choice to her that he thought was amazing. His pride's hurt. The one choice she willfully made, he's not happy with. Mm. I think it says a lot about him. But he and Nick have been so buddy-buddy all season, and this time mm-hmm. they were not. Like That was the coolest we've seen that relationship. Yeah, I Until think it's smacking the chops will do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are realising that Nick has been aligned with Lawrence as long as Lawrence has been aligned with June and in Lawrence changing his tune towards June, we're realising that, yeah, that alliance that Nick has with him only goes so far. And like I said last episode, Nick follows his heart. He'll do anything for love and he loves June. So, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> And Nick obviously wants an answer to know, was Gilead responsible for the attack at the vigil? And Lawrence makes the line... The government of Gilead does not target expatriates for execution. That is our current policy, as far as I know. Mm. <laughs> it's doing a lot of work, that, as far as I know. It is. Quite the disclaimer. Very good politician response. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, then we find out when... Um, well, I'm skipping forward a bit, but... Tuella does say, Gunman was apprehended very early this morning. He's an angry man with a gun. There are millions of them, but uh, we have this one. If he has ties to Gilead, we will find them. And then Lawrence uh, goes further and says, This is what happens in a fight. Everyone gets bloody. Everyone. Is that a reference to Fred and them, you know, sort of organising the salvaging of Fred for June last year? What was that a reference to? Oh, I think it was more just like the mutual culpability. I think he was... It was kind of a don't get too high on your horse, Nick, your partners right. too. I just saw that as a bit of a, a veiled way to knock him down a peg or two. Mm. I thought it was also interesting that Nick, in his kind of haste for an answer, on both occasions in this episode, mm. chose to confront Lawrence in very public places where there are other commanders around and he couldn't really have a open conversation. So it's hard to tell how much of Lawrence's response is, you know, is the way it is because there are other people in the room that he needs to keep up appearances for. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because, I mean, they are only like a metre or two back. <laughs> so, um, we have said Nick. Nick's not good at the spy game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's why Tuello needs him to sign a contract because he doesn't quite. <laughs> yeah, the ink is not dry, but well, anyway. He wants something to fall back on. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> good Lord, you need some training. I did think these um, eye of God shots of the stairs and the ants running around that this scene opens and closes with remind me of those um, optical illusion images where you've got those stairs that go nowhere. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought that like was an Escher I thought puzzle. That looked really cool. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, these people, are they, you know, laboring in a futile way? What is this saying? Anyways, that's what I <laughs> thought about. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good pickup. I think so. Yeah, I love it, Escher puzzle. And from there, we go to Janine. And that's Ardua Hall, isn't it? Um, so with the other handmaids, they're sprucing up the joint. I took that whole handmaids scrubbing the floor 
like it's pointless work, isn't it? You know, like yeah. they're not actually trying to get anything clean. It's just like let's face it, they've got nothing to do, and they got to and they <laughs> they got to keep busy. So how about you just yep. scrub mm-hmm. some floors and wipe some windows, sing some show tunes. <laughs> <laughs> So she starts humming It's a Hard Luck Life. Um, Lydia's loving it. Isn't, he, isn't she beaming at mm. Janine's progress? <laughs> I was like, do it's... you realise who you are in this song? You know, in this, uh, no. <laughs> in this whole musical and you're smiling? Okay, let's just go with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of spruce stuff, Lydia looked different to me this episode and in, in, mm. in this scene she like I, th- I don't know if her bun was a bit higher she just looked a bit um lighter and fresher there's something mm. different going on I agree I think she's really proud of Janine I think she's coming yeah. along great the girls are responding really well to her mm-hmm. like it's you know it's so good for her so I think that makes her make her you know suggestion um one thing I did love though when Janine hears her coming she says code brown oh, <laughs> code yes. brown, code brown. brown. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> That could have been my favourite thing. Anyway, but, yes, it's not a sin to enjoy one's work. But then Aunt Elizabeth, who we haven't seen in a while, she makes the comment that... People have been slow to notice your charity towards Janine, but they are noticing. She needs to find a posting or they will find another use for her. So mm-hmm. the time is ticking and Janine needs a new posting. Can't waste that womb. So next scene, literally the next scene... <laughs> Lydia does what she thinks is a great idea and pitches it to Mrs. Putnam, soon to be Lawrence. She's not going for it. That's insane. (laughs) She's not up for it. (laughs) Strange that. I admit it's a bit unorthodox, but if you'll indulge me. I will not. Yeah, funny, funny. But Lydia's persuasive. I love at the start of the episode she's doing what she does best. She yeah. flatters people to get them to see her point of view and they all come, they both come around. It happens with Janine, happens with Naomi here. You know, this is Lydia's going to Lydia yeah. and um, <laughs> it, it works a treat on Naomi until later. Yeah, this is when um, Lydia is still thinking she's got this handled, isn't she? You know, mm. just mm. even though she's been having some realisations all season, she thinks she's solved it and she's sort of on fire and, as you just said, doing what she does best. So it is interesting to see how that sort of changes towards the end of the episode. But right now, things are great. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I guess she knows that Lawrence has never been one for the ceremony. She yeah. remarked in a previous season, you know, there's no luck in that household with a little bub. <laughs> so I guess she thinks she's, you know, she obviously thinks she's giving Janine a gift. Well, I'd, I'd say she is because, like, like Lydia's um, motivations... They're never really for a handmaid, and this is the first time I think that it maybe actually is, you know, like it's it's mm. generally always serving her own purpose in some way, shape or form, but this time like her whole driving mode here is just to help Janine, mm. and I think that's unusual for her. That's a lot of growth for Lydia. Mm. Yeah, for the first time, like her emotional well-being is directly connected to Janine's emotional well-being. Yeah, and I think that's what Aunt Elizabeth has been picking up on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, yes, but the pitch basically, it's like the new Bethlehem cell in that, you know, it's part of this new Gilead and that it, it's a different image that will reflect Gilead's new values. Yeah, so pitching to Naomi that she would be the model of forgiveness and grace. So, look, it works on Naomi until it doesn't work on Janine. But first, we are back in Canada at June and Luke and Moira's they're just having a moment of zen, you know. <laughs> Nicole's having a sleep-in. <laughs> they're reading the Globe and Mail. Jen's enjoying a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. It's like they're just... No, which is the paper my brother works for, so I clocked that and thought, oh, 
Good choice. <laughs> and it was peaceful. It was beautiful. There was sunshine. She was hearing birds, you know, zenning out. Also, on just following on for your comment about the graveyard of the garden, I did notice that the, the kitchen bench was covered in cuttings, like new cuttings in jars. Oh, yes. You know. It was. Sprouting roots. Um, okay. I saw that too, actually. And I also... I think I'm just imagining this now, but I did think her coffee cup looked a lot like that sky blue I was seeing at the start of the series. <laughs> <laughs> but it could have just been a, a pale teal colour with a bit of a filter. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I just thought that was handmade or um, yeah. wife teal. I picked that up as teal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have seen a lot on that spectrum of teal, um, especially in yeah. these outfits too. Yeah. Yes. Uh, interesting. Well, of course. June Osborne never gets a moment of zen. She cannot get a moment of peace because and there is a very um, resounding knock at the door and it's Tuello who's always given shit for <laughs> interrupting. So he's just there obviously to give the intel about the gunman who shot up the vigil, Lannison, John L, 56-year-old guy, just an angry guy with a gun. There's millions of those. So no apparent links to Gilead. So at that point it seems Lawrence's comment to Nick Probably is truthful that 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 wasn't a Gilead um, assassination attempt. Um, But nonetheless, they're both feeling the burden of all of the death and the grief that's um, emanating from these attacks. You know, Mark makes the comment he's been to the 19 funerals. And, yeah, June's empathetic. She feels the burden too, knows what it's like to be responsible for people and to lose them. That walk to the corner, to the crossroads. Yeah, just the slow reveal of all of those removal trucks. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the mm. and sidewalk supermarket that's happening. Everyone's throwing out all the things they don't want to take. People are getting out of town. And there's a big red house that looms over them too um, before we sort of get a sense that this scene is really going to turn sinister. And I just thought, oh, is that like <laughs> a representation of Gilead hanging over them? But it's just a house, whatever. And then... Yeah, it swings around and the truck is red and the house. Oh, God. Scary. Why didn't she run? (laughs) The whole time I was like, what are you waiting for? Get moving. Something feels off. Mm -hmm. And the amazing Beach Boys song that's playing, I assume, in the truck. (laughs) Kokomo. (laughs) Which was kind of amazing. Uh, It kind of made me think about those moments where her and Luke or her and Nick have fantasised about escaping to a tropical island or Hawaii mm. or wherever. Yeah, it made me think about Hawaii, which in hindsight was like, ah, oh, there it That's is. That's where they're <laughs> at. Yeah. yeah, in the end. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also a sort of cocktail. <laughs> oh, the Tom, the Tom Cruise movie? The <laughs> yeah. Yes, from the soundtrack. Anyway, um, but what a disconnect to have that, you know, impact again and again, the backing up and, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, the misogynist in the bread pickup yeah. with the Gilead bumper sticker oh, no. and the arm crusher. Why does he stop? Is that when Luke bounds out maybe? But yeah. when he's backing up, he comes to a halt, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was because Luke ran out and he, I mean, I guess got startled, but you would have thought he would <laughs> have mm, gone through mm. with it. Oh, awful. Yeah, it might be when yes. Luke reaches the car, grabs mm, in mm. the window or something. You don't really see Yeah, him. yeah. And look, this scene is where Luke finally gets to protect her. He's been wanting to protect her all season and he, he gets his moment here. He never gets it quite right, though, does he? You he know? killed the guy. Don't kill the guy. Yes. Now you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how, no, how would he Over know? Overcorrection. It was going to be yeah. that bad. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. This, this is a probably shocking 
brutal moment. Like I did not see this yeah. coming. This is like one of the beginnings of the various shocks throughout the episode mm. for me. And I was like, what? Like once she got hit, then when the truck backed up and then went over mm. her arm, like it was probably Ugh. like cover your eyes. Ah! Like, yeah. So, yeah, I was quite surprised by this. Yeah, the impact on the arm particularly was um, was really graphic. But, yeah, considering the size of the vehicle and, and her and just, yeah, the, like extremely lucky in yeah. that that was relatively little damage, not, not that you know that at the time. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. And the chaos of the emergency room. So we're straight into that immediately, you know, Luke's being questioned. But as you do in those situations, he's reassuring her that she'll be all right. But he does that a lot this episode in, in calmer moments too. Yeah, he's being let off. She's having a pain flare. It's uh, chaos. I quite like that moment where she's screaming in pain, but you don't actually yeah. hear it. It was all these little touches yeah. throughout the whole episode. Yeah, it's the the third time we've seen a, a woman scream in a hospital bed this season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick. Yes, and then we're on the bridge. Nick is pulling up. Scene of last year's finale. Nick Blaine is walking on over to Canada, that lovely score. And that's it. We just see him being met by Tuello, don't we? At that point, we're not sure where he's going or what his intention is. Is this mm. the really beautiful bridge scene that was a standout? Because the first episode that Elizabeth Moss directed, I'm pretty sure it had that sort of epic bridge meeting between June and Nick. That bridge kiss? Yeah, yes. the bridge kiss. Yeah, and so it was a nice callback. Mm-hmm. From when Nick crosses over, we're back for Lydia to pitch her idea to Janine. I think she'll, she thinks that Janine will be thrilled. Janine is not thrilled. So it's not a bad pitch that she can mm. spend time with her daughter, you know, and it's Lawrence, it's not your regular old commander. But I guess the thing is Janine doesn't know that, right? She doesn't know what it's like to be in the Lawrence household, does she? Like um, she seemed even clueless That's that um, Naomi was even marrying Joseph Lawrence. So she's not exactly, I don't know, keeping up with all the current mm. news and information. So in that case, <laughs> the, the pitch is terrible because it's basically, let's send you back to a house where you have to endure um, the mm. constant threat of sexual assault. Because yeah, I don't think she knows. Yeah, I guess she hasn't played that out yet. Yeah, for Janine, she's once again put her trust in someone and has, you know, been promised in as many words something that is now being revoked. Yeah. yeah. And she does say that Lydia said to her, you said I'd never have to do that again. Mm. It was intimated, wasn't it? Yeah. Janine's yeah. not wrong there, you know. Yeah. It's like things don't have to be spelled. You don't need a contract, you know, a written contract where you have to sign <laughs> things to know mm. what the understanding is. Mm. Exactly. So I fear in the grey area <laughs> people make assumptions. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, Janine clocks that name change too to Mrs Lawrence. Yeah, names become quite important in her in her actions this, this episode. I think this is another moment for Lydia for the journey that she's been on this entire season and that she is on in this episode as well, which is a reminder of what a shitty deal the handmaids get. Even when she has her favourite handmaid and she's trying to make it as good as possible, it's still what they are being forced to do. It's just so awful. It's like she's not getting it, you know, like this is what she's sending them off to do. And she still is not quite getting it. And um, and Janine being given this amazing offer and wish to spend time with her daughter is, it is actually amazing. And for her to react so strongly against it is just another, it's just another thing for Lydia to, to have to absorb. Mm. And 
curious to see where this ends up taking her. I think it was a pivotal moment for her. Janine's kind of having the experience that Esther had earlier in the season where Janine tried to guide Esther and do what was best for her within the constraints of the handmade system. And in a way, that's what Lydia's trying to do for Janine now. Um, And she's falling into the same trap that Janine did with Esther. Absolutely. Um, But, you know, Lydia has no self-awareness yet in this in this scene because she does manage to persuade Janine. Again, she flatters her, you know, encourages her by, you know, you've come so far and with her pleading eyes and, and warmth, she convinces Janine it's the least worst option in this hell of a world. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. And then we're following up the next story. He's heading to the hospital. Yes, so clearly Torello's getting a message to him about the attack and the hospital kiss, little peck on the head for unconscious June from Nick. Kiss that didn't happen last episode. He leaned in but pulled back and now we got it here. <laughs> and she was unconscious. <laughs> and he didn't want her to yeah. know. Sleeping beauty. She stirred. <laughs> it it uh, actually gave me a little bit of a flashback to that scene where June gets to visit Hannah in her bedroom at the Mackenzie's house and Hannah's yes. asleep and, you know, she gets a kiss from June and there was little flashes of that in this scene. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. So look, here's your here's your Nick scene. Go nuts, you lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, my Nick scene well. was a That's slap. Not the only one. My, yeah, no, this <laughs> true. This is like you know, this is par for the course. This was to be expected. It's when he does the slap where I was like, oh shit, mm. <laughs> things are <laughs> changing right. here. Yeah. <laughs> So all yes, right, lovely, surprise. but that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> okay, but the, on the bridge where um, where Tawello drops him back and we get that hint of backstory that he could have left when he was an eye and he could have run away with her. Yeah, and he says that line, which actually was really upsetting. He says, mm. I'm nothing. Yeah. And mm. I was really upset for him in that in that moment, actually. Yeah. I thought, oh, my gosh, he's he hates himself. He's like Lawrence in a sense. He's full of self-loathing like these Mm -hmm. yeah I just I felt really sad for him there and the whole time there's that flashing red light behind his shoulder as well which felt like a bit of a a June memory hanging over him the whole time he was on that bridge and I yeah poor Nick I did feel for him there yeah same I mean you know our only Nick flashback ever was when he signed up and was you know um there was just that hint of it back in oh season two I want to say so you know you can sort of draw conclusions that what the appeal was to maybe signing up for some sort of structure or, you know, Mm -hmm. some sort of life to feel connected to something. So, yeah, kind of hinting that he's had no real connection to people until June. You know, she has people who care for her. She doesn't need me. I'm nothing. But, yeah, he's clearly crossed a line, like literally, and I don't just mean Gilead into Canada and back again. But, (laughs) yeah, that's quite a remarkable destination he's got in his mind when he's ducked away from what the wedding preparations, I guess, mm-hmm. or the ceremony. Are they married yet? I don't know. I feel like the ceremony would go on for days anyway. It's probably pre-wedding drinks. But <laughs> then we're back with June and Luke and those three mirrors again. Mm-hmm. And the window. Yes. <laughs> She's sitting on the window again, but left of centre this time. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, back to the light again. They've done that a lot this season. Um and he's saying everything's going to be all right a couple of times. And he's clearly bought a gun and she asks, Are you comfortable having a gun around Nicole? Yeah. Never mind the one that was buried very shallowly in the front yard for a while there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Forgotten that one. But, yes, he makes the point that the police don't want them there either. His, you know, protector 
behaviour comes in strong here as well about having to protect the family with the gun and protect ourselves. Shades of Boston, he's feeling the guilt about the way they were separated back in the early, early days, our first episode Mm. of Handmaids. So, yes, it's playing much on his mind and hers. But, yeah, he feels second time around things are going to go differently. And he's saying, I'm not going to let anyone hurt you. Promise. Promise. It's a bit late though, isn't it? Like, well, she's, she's like, you know, like she's actually there injured. <laughs> I'm not going to let anyone hurt you. Well, he comes to the sling. <laughs> Dolphin <laughs> driver he didn't know was down the road. <laughs> How's he going to do that? <laughs> oh, he did all right. He yeah, should be dead if exactly. he hadn't intervened. Yeah. We can't totally shit on Luke. <laughs> it's just weird when someone says, I'm not going to let anyone hurt you, and she's really fucking injured. <laughs> I think what he means is I'm not going to let anyone kill you. Haram <laughs> is in a sling. <laughs> Yes, so then he tells her to try and get some rest and she sure does. I wondered, was she lying in the same direction as her feet were pointing? Not sure, just putting it out there. Um, I noticed that she the, the bed she was lying on and the, the carpet below it, it was all these lines and she looked like it was it was visually like this trapped position. She was in jail, she was imprisoned, kind of, you know, reflecting what their status is there in the house. They're, that's their only safe spot for the moment. And they're trapped. Yeah, kind of boxed in maybe like maybe like the box from... Last season. Oh, God, yeah. In Gilead. (laughs) And then we're off to the pomp and the ceremony and the getting ready at Lawrence's for Naomi. Lots of beautiful flowers. Macarons, the whole the whole works. Which are um, teal and red. Yeah. <laughs> and the three-tiered yes. cake, I thought, oh, the three's coming back again. The three-tiered cake with the teal ribbon around each layer. Mm. I thought mm-hmm. they were pink and blue for boy and girl, like Madam Wife and all that kind of <laughs> Gilead palaver. Oh, right. I'm not sure. Yes, here's where Naomi, in her good grace, has deigned to let Janine move in for the summer when Angela's away (laughs) with her parents. Cruel. How petrified is Lydia in this scene that Janine's going to do something? (laughs) Yes. I think I was saying that earlier in the season that, like, Janine is always the one that sort of has us on edge. And and in this moment I thought, oh, Lydia is us. Like, (laughs) like, this is how I feel in Janine's scenes. And she's living it in real life. Loved it. (laughs) She's acting with her eyes. But... Naomi is setting some ground rules and, you know, she is overseeing all interactions between Janine and Angela now and in the future. That is inviolate. This was a real reminder, wasn't it, of just um, of what Gilead is like because we haven't seen too much awful stuff from Gilead this season. But just knowing that that threat of having a tongue cut out is still something that can be said and probably has meaning, you know, like that might actually still be happening. And the fact that Naomi says that, Angela is my baby. Mm. It was kind of a reminder mm. that as much as Joseph Lawrence is trying to push the new Bethlehem and a new kind of Gilead, actually, like, the Gilead that we know is still thriving. 100%. Yeah, all the optics. And here's where the whole language of what's best for my daughter and Janine says what's best for Angela as well. So, yeah, this whole phony what's best for the children language looms large. And Janine is the good girl and says she'll behave um, and the relief <laughs> that comes over Lydia. <laughs> yeah, she audibly um, exhales <laughs> and she's so proud of her. And Naomi, of course, is inflated because she did the good thing and, um, yeah, then she wants to go off and have her time in the spotlight. 
It's funny. I mean, I, I don't know if any of us thought this <laughs> arrangement was ever going to work. I just didn't foresee it unraveling quite so quickly. I thought we got to get a bit more of this household dynamic before it all shatters into a million pieces. I'm going to go out there and say that I think this dynamic and this relationship would have worked if oh. not for the little bomb that the Martha drops moments later. Mm. I think it would have mm. worked and could have been quite functional. And Janine is still in a space where she's like, okay, this is I'm making the best of the situation I'm in. I'm going to get to see Angela. Like she's basically said, I can, I can be in the family photo. Like I'm in, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> this is okay. And then all the comments that Naomi have made that have been tipping away at the facade that Janine's holding up crumble down when this Martha turns up and drops that bomb about June. Mm. That's my yeah. take. Which has one of my favourite lines of the whole episode is Janine saying, my June. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Just one of my highlights. Yeah, yeah, that was a great moment. And I think the final line from the Martha is like, they never let anyone get away. Fuckers. That's, I think that's a warning to Janine too, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why are you bothering? Yeah, it just reminds Janine that as friendly as she can get with Naomi, there's an inherent power dynamic there that means that Naomi at the end of the day is involved in everything that she hates about Gilead and is a horrible person, you know, because she's a part of that. There's no fixing it. And being in the house, they'll get you escaping to Canada. They'll get you. So, yeah, yeah it's... Mm. Gilead's gonna Gilead. She basically has nothing to lose when she hears that. She's like, that's it. Fuck it. What, why yeah. Why would I bother? Mm. Uh, and the flashes. Like, I, I do love that transition, that edit that they have. Of, um, I loved that. But yeah, the sound design with the lights and the... Yeah, I thought that was really impactful. Also, like, another horror element, I thought it just felt... Yeah. yeah. Reminiscent of... Yeah, yeah, it was good. There were five of them, and I was wondering... Like, are they the seasons and, like, the, you know, boom, 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 and this is the evolution oh. of Janine in that kind of moment. <laughs> Don't know. But just the, the transition was great. And then, I mean, as Lawrence is fed up and shoes everyone away and tell, invites them to go and perform some function in his house, Naomi is a <laughs> bit lost, wants to make a friend. Again, evoking that friendship kind of line that we've seen across the last couple of episodes of, like, who's your friend? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. She starts that interaction by calling Janine Janine, but finishes by calling her of Joseph. Janine, have you seen your room? Uh, no, ma'am. Uh, well, I can have a Martha show you, or I can show you. I feel so hopeful, don't you? And honestly, it'll just be nice to have a friendly face in the house of Joseph. Did you notice, though, just before she turns to Janine, the reason that Lawrence calls it and, like, gets the shits with the photo session, it's because Naomi's, like, puts her hand on his arm, trying to be a little bit intimate, and he looks down and he's like, fuck this, and he's like, that's enough. <laughs> so then Naomi turns to the one friendly face she has in the house trying to make another connection, and it goes <laughs> nowhere, which I thought was kind of hilarious. I mean, feel bad mm. for her in a weird way, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> For a yeah, tiny second. As horrible as she is, she is also in a shit situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the wives in this season we see like are you know just as vulnerable to shitty situations. Should they find themselves a widow, or in Rose's case, you mm-hmm. know, with a husband who turns criminal, they're just as vulnerable and likely to end up in a really crappy position as the handmaids, although perhaps not quite as bad. Yeah, it's probably likely to keep their tongues intact. Mm-hmm. Is, uh... <laughs> and other bits, <laughs> yes. yes. 
And, yes, calling her of Joseph was not wise. Uh, Yeah, Janine, let's have it. At first I thought, are we going to go to a this is a thought bubble (laughs) or is she really (laughs) saying this to Naomi? Yeah. That is not my name. It was amazing, wasn't it? Like, go Janine. Yeah, it was good. Like, we were sort of um, yeah. in the interview that we had with Madeline Brewer and we had asked her what can we expect from Janine this season and she did hint at this fiery attitude that we'd been seeing from Janine. We were going to see more of it. And then we didn't see Janine for, like, episode after episode after episode. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, finally, she went to ground. Yeah, finally we see her again and that's amazing. Like, she just said all of the things that you would want to say and it came from Janine, you know, like that would normally come from a character like June perhaps, but like not from Janine. So I really loved the sort of transition from Janine getting a bit more June in her by the end of this episode. I don't want to jump ahead, but clearly she is the new handmaid of The Handmaid's Tale and that sort of Mm. this whole episode, her journey has mirrored what June did in season one. And mm. um, she's been radicalised. And I'm now jumping to the end, which I feel really bad about. So um, so right now well, we'll put just a pin stick in with that. this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, yeah. And I sort of noticed their headwear. Uh, when we first see Janine when she's talking to Naomi, she's got the full bonnet on. And then I loved how she took the bonnet off. It was, she was, <laughs> there was a lot of emotion behind that. Yeah. And then we see. Like the gloves are off, but the wings are off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, then, and then she's just wearing like um, the cloth on her head. I'm not quite sure what the name for that is. Mm. So right now we're seeing Janine sort of like evolve scene by scene until we get to her scene with Lydia. And her hair's out in the last scene. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I loved how that scene ended with her climbing up the stairs and that big smile on her face, which um, was that the staircase that Emily pushed Lydia <laughs> oh, down? Yes, sure was. Yes, was it that yeah. staircase? Because it, it, it was like an Emily moment for me. I'm like, the staircase. Oh, my goodness, the staircase. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I loved also just the we are not friends that harked back to the June and Serena mm. interaction back in the detention centre a couple of episodes ago. And June and Lawrence too. Yeah, all of these friends. and But she, she explicitly says it to, to Serena. So, yes, the little echo of June is in Janine. Good for her, but also what the hell? <laughs> like, you know, so many people not thinking their actions through, but, you know, just like fed up and acting out. But back to the house, June's waking up in her head. She's hearing that truck again. So mm. clearly she's, um, yeah, still reliving that that attack. A second time in this season that she's woken up to Luke and Moira and Rita talking downstairs and Rita's got news. Guy from the truck, Mr. Thorpe, he's dead. Oh, wow. Um, it's a yeah. hell of a punch. So there's an alert. There's an alert out for Luke. Okay, so this was um, really interesting in that um, I didn't see, like we all knew it was bad, right? You know, as soon as you, I think we already all knew that the guy was dead and we, and we knew that was going to mean mm. bad things. But Luke's just kind of freaking out. But June being June is strategizing immediately. Mm. But what... I was thinking of in this is when she says that we have to run, which was quite exciting, you know, um, but when she <laughs> said it, that oh, all season she is saying um, we missed it last time and mm. we can't miss it again. And I thought we've been seeing this encroach on them all season mm. and I, I almost feel like uh, 
we've almost missed it as well, you know, yeah. that like yeah. it has it has been um, like the frog in the water that's just getting like hotter and hotter and hotter because it started off with like some protests and as every episode went by, we could see the further encroachment of just the unrest towards the refugees as well as the wheelers, of course, the encroachment of Gilead in Canada, the creepy gynecologist guy who's at the university, just like how um, Canada is not Canada anymore. Mm. And even just the silent support for Serena, you know, when she yes. came out of, you know, it started very quietly and it's got real loud and very physical and very violent. Yeah, that's just whipped up. You're right, yeah. We need Holly. We need a Holly warning. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Yeah, she always saw it. And even that woman in the playground where, you know, back then we could write that off as yeah. one sort of desperate woman but yeah that that's that's one seed of a a larger thing going on here yeah good point i was quite sad when june gave that little speech about having to run because you know a couple of big events have happened that have changed her mind so the the mission to get hannah didn't work and lots of people died and the situation in canada has become so bad that she was almost killed but Luke's been saying this for a while, like, let's get out, let's go, we can't mm. save Hannah, we can't get back into Gilead. And it's been June that's the one that said, no, we need to stay, we need to get Hannah, we can't go somewhere else and, and leave her. And if she'd said that a little bit earlier, then it wouldn't have gotten as bad and Luke wouldn't be up for manslaughter <laughs> charges and we wouldn't have the kind of fallout that happens at the end of the episode. So it was quite, you know, it, it, these things needed to happen to June for her to get to this point where she has this revelation, but it's kind of sad to see it happen so late in the day that their relationship can't be saved. You're so right. As we come to find out. I had forgotten that Luke had originally been the one saying, let's just go get out of here. Mm. That's really sad, Haiti. Yeah, when they were cleaning off the graffiti. Yeah. yeah. I mm. I felt really sad in that scene too because I was just thinking about like, the warmth of that house and that's been their sanctuary and the kitchen's always flooded with light and beautiful, that, those fairy lights behind June as she's saying we got to run frame by a window again. And even just Nicole's room, you know, her little cot, I was just thinking of the little bunting strung across the top of it. Like that was just such a lovely space for them to try and heal. And now they got to hit eject and run and be out in the cold again. It was really kind of devastating. Yeah, well, I mean, it's happening on their street. You know, like she says to Toello, they tried to kill her in the front yard. Yeah. So they I mean, the next step would be coming into the house and, yeah, encroaching on, on their home. So, And both her and Nick know that it's not just June that they'll go after because mm. June says to Twello, what are they going to come for my baby next? And Nick had also said to Twello, they won't stop at June. They will do whatever they can. Yeah. So yeah, that threat is super real, you know, and um, and not just not just on her. So yeah, it is time, probably beyond time. If only she'd listened to Luke all those episodes ago. Oh, mm. and you know the real world echoes as well. Just the you know this isn't Gilead, but then he says, then she says America wasn't Gilead until it was, mm. and then it was too fucking late. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, that, yeah. That was a very rousing speech. Um, it was great, but. They think they can get out by booking a flight to Honolulu, but his name is on the alert, so nope. Tuello is helping them flee, potentially it, with consequences for himself. I mean, this is a quite a big gesture from Tuello to get to help them mm. get out and to 
pack them on um, this train that they're putting together? Well, it's not really, like I'd say, it's a bit more self-interested, right, because he's done a deal with Nick. So to keep up his end of the bargain, he has to keep June safe. So whatever... So what was in that contract with Nick, by the way, you know? So Nick is agreeing to do something and Twello really wants that. So he is very motivated to make sure June's safe. True. But, I mean, at risk of harbouring or, you know, helping her. He's he's laying out the charges that June would face for for going with him. I mean, you know, what would he face for organising them to get on the train in the first place? Yeah, just thinking it's a gesture that Twello... You know, we don't really know the the world that he walks in. Um, you know, he does live in a sort of a shadow, a diplomatic kind of shadow land, I guess. So that's part of it. So anyway, the plan is there's trains, trains heading out of Toronto, heading for an eventual destination of Hawaii, because all the American refugees are on their way here from all over. Canada doesn't want them anymore. No one does. They're all coming here. The thing is, I don't think Hawaii wants them either. Um, all of the all of the news about Hawaii at the moment, by the way, is that they have too many tourists and that the locals really do not want more tourists coming. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, man, I don't think they're going to want you guys. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> this is going to be all uh, um, beaches and coconuts. Mm, I don't <laughs> think they wanted the Americans in the first place, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. That's the plan. Head to the train station. Next shot, Nick's back from his jaunt across to Canada. Breaks into the wedding clocks, Lawrence. Yeah. Oh, wait. You could have killed him. You could have fucking killed him. In a room of the commanders and Rose and, oh, yeah, brushes past everyone. Uh, Lawrence's response is, Commander, it wasn't me, it wasn't my decision. So that's confirming, obviously, it was a Gilead hit, mm-hmm. the guy in the truck. Mm-hmm. We knew that. We get a good shot of Mackenzie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. He's clocking all of that. Yes. Yeah. Because, yeah, Nick has lost his call and any semblance, because he has been, like, rising the ranks this season. Like, things have mm. been going pretty well for Nick. It looks like he's getting promoted. Like, he's in all of these important high-level commander discussions and rooms. He's always been there. And it's almost like he's thrown all of that away in this one moment and Lawrence loses his cool as well by saying it wasn't me. Like it's sort of, it's sort of exposing their private chats in a way to that room mm. of commanders. So, mm. um, so both of them were quite rattled. Mm. Which could explain Lawrence's actions with Janine because the next scene is Lydia and Janine. Lydia's devastated that Janine did not take up mm. or didn't make the most of the offer that came her way. Lydia's crying, all very, very emotional about Janine's decision. Bit of an update to the end of season one and the I'm sorry Aunt Lydia rock scene. Um, Janine is standing up to Lydia. She's come a long way <laughs> in, the, in those yeah. five years. And, yeah, Lydia, that persuasion that she was able to exercise across the episode is no more. And what I liked about this for Janine is that she wasn't in a handmade outfit Yes. So the bonnet and the wings were off and she was in what looked like her nightgown instead. So there was not a shred of red to be seen, which was, <laughs> except for her hair, perhaps. Oh, yes, or the um, eye patch. patch. Okay, 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 the eye patch. Fine, fine, fine. Um, <laughs> but, um, but otherwise the handmade costume was not around and it felt very much like Janine standing in her own power, which was really mm. wonderful to see. Mm. Until, of course, it all went pear-shaped. and um, <laughs> Yeah, for that split she got- second, she was, she was queen of the world. But, yes, the eyes break in. 
to come and get her. Yeah, Lydia has no power with them. She cannot convince them to let Janine go. Here's where we learn Lawrence is the one who actually gave the order because she keeps threatening, I'll call, I'll call Lawrence, I'll call Lawrence. Yeah, they basically say, yeah, go for it. And she gets pushed. She gets pushed to the ground. Yes, Lydia gets pushed, which was, yeah, which was mm. a real, which was a real sign of how little power that she has. And then like Janine's yeah. trolled it in the back of that van. With the other Martha? Is that the Martha from the house? Yeah, very much like June was back in season one with the other Martha from the Lawrence house. Mm, mm. So that's what I'm. In, that's what I'm intrigued by. So he did the order, and he's got Janine and the Martha, who we know is a bit of a I don't know is the is dissident the right word for perhaps the Martha yeah. in that mm. house? Yeah, resistor. And he has been very accommodating for that before in the past. Yeah, no longer a Mayday friendly household. He's done a purge, yeah. And that lingering shot of Lydia, like the last time we see her this season, wow, like if I feel like, I mean, I know I made the tip that Lawrence may not survive. I didn't say when. I still think next season. <laughs> and I think off the back of this, Lydia might kill him herself if she if she has a go. Yeah, she's, she's definitely going and getting that dossier of information on Lawrence immediately after that scene. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, I think it's the making of Lydia. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So that's the last we see of Janine and Lydia this season. And from there, here's where we wrap it up with the station. And there's that very long, well, Tuello, he promises to pass a message on to Nick, not knowing Nick's fate. And it's like the callback to the Chicago camp back last season. There's a real time travel to get to the train. There's, I think it's five minutes is the countdown as they pass the various um, checkpoints and we linger on the queues and the process and the waiting um, mm-hmm. as and just are they going to find are they going to find Luke? Did you notice that um, when they were outside the train station, the awning of the train station looked very much like the handmade wings, oh, the yeah. white oh, yeah. curved. Nice. And she was at the front of that for a while. But then, yeah, um, look, as someone who's done a lot of travelling lately, I really felt for all those queues <laughs> and, the, <laughs> and the customs and the citizens here and the citizens there um, and just the crowd of people. Those who don't know, Natalie has been zooming in from all over the world. She's done a little, she's done the world tour we all love to do. Um, yes, every week without fail is popping up in all across Europe. <laughs> so, yeah, so relatable to see June and Luke flee. <laughs> <laughs> With your customs queue. <laughs> I was just getting flashbacks to um, when Emily tried to flee yes. America in early Gilead times with her son, Oliver, and her wife and how triggering that was. It was That was a horrific scene and I was just waiting for something traumatic to happen and we kind of got a trauma of some sort but it kind of felt like it It was something that had to finally happen was, was Luke's realization that June was safer without him and the best way to protect her was to actually do the thing he wanted to do the least, which was separate from her. Mm. That's Mm -hmm. a big, big uh, milestone for Luke to reach, yeah. They are not safe if I'm with you. (laughs) At least they got to say a proper goodbye this time. Well, you know that I always love a bit of romance and it wasn't just a goodbye, it was a come find me. Yeah. Very romantic five stars. (laughs) <laughs> no notes. Um, June, we're going to find each other. We always do, right? Famous last words. Um, and so he was saying before it's not going to be like Boston and this is a reverse Boston. They've pulled a reverse Boston on us. <laughs> oh, my God, they have. <laughs> June got caught last time. So mm. 
And the whole time I'm screaming to myself, get on the train, get on the train. <laughs> I, 100%. I was thinking you're making it so obvious that you're on the phone to him and you're looking around, you're going to give yes. him away. But yeah, obviously that was his plan all along. Stupid point. I hope he didn't have anything in the backpack that she might need. Um, <laughs> the diapers. I was wondering as well. It's funny how we get like hung up on these like small details. And I thought, did he actually pack that backpack? Was it like, did he just fake it all? Yeah. Well, like she says, he didn't plan to get on at all. Yeah. But from there. So that's the last we see of Luke getting marched off. I, yeah. Look, I have to say, I'm actually really worried about him of all the characters and, and where they all end up at the end of this episode and end of the season. As we say goodbye to Luke now at the train station, he's actually the one I am worried about the mm. most because um, he's very much in clear and present danger by now being arrested um, and there's going to be some very um, angry police officers who will be looking for revenge. And so I think that like um, a lot of the characters are in danger, but for me I'm really worried about Luke right now. So mm. um, he's probably top of my list of all characters I'm, I, I'm actually worried about. And Janine's a close second, I think, for me. Yeah. But we haven't got to mm. June yet. No, we haven't. All right. So from there, Nick and Rose. <laughs> I know you're chomping in the bit to get to this one. but So we open. <laughs> he's in a detention cell. So those actions, punching Lawrence in the chops, he's been detained. His first words to Rose when she walks in the cell. I'm sorry. Go to town on this scene. I know you want to. <laughs> Sana, I can see you chopping a bit. Get in. I actually, I do you know what? I, I actually don't have strong feelings about this scene. I feel like it's just confirmation of his, like, unbreakable attachment to June, his love for June. And like he said, he's he tried to let her go. He tried to move on with his life in Gilead and he just can't, he can't let her go, you know? So I don't know, Natalie, do you have like <laughs> something more detailed to say than that? Well, um, what I would start off with is what he's wearing because we've always noticed Ooh. what Nick looks like in, through all the seasons and, you know, when he's wearing a sharp coat, you know, and stuff like that. And this time, and he's normally wearing a suit and he's always looks very sharp and neat. And this time he is like literally undone like there is no jacket the shirt is out he looks he looks like a man who has been wrought undone um so which we don't normally see nick that way so i enjoyed that for starters um which gives a bit of an insight into just where he's gone this season which is interesting right because there's always these questions that always come up can we trust him does he actually mm. love her properly you know mm. and um and i remember saying last episode i don't think he needs to do anything else to prove to us that he is pure okay, that in his in his love for June and that he's not like, you know, 100% evil Gilead guy. And even though he didn't have to prove anything, he still did this episode, you know, like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have. <laughs> Maybe he shouldn't have. But, like, you know, even like rushing the border to visit her when, like, she was in hospital mm. and, then, yeah. and then when he just cannot control his emotions and he punches out Lawrence and now look where he is. <laughs> but, um... Okay, the part that I need your help with that I'm really sort of intrigued by is is when Rose goes to leave and he says to her, you can't leave. And mm. I don't. He, and he's not talking about you can't leave this room. He's basically no. saying you can't leave this marriage. So I'm so intrigued by what these options are. So like he's in a cell and it looks like his wife is leaving him, his pregnant wife is leaving him. But can she? Like how does this work? 
Natalie, how in the world did I miss that line? I actually don't remember that line at all. I remember her saying, I don't want to be with you anymore. And me thinking, how's that going to work? You're pregnant and you're a wife and all of the rest. But I actually don't remember him saying that. That's crazy. Yeah, no, he says, Rose, Rose, you can't leave. You can't leave. Which is the second time in that episode someone says that. You know, like the Martha says it to Janine, you know, you can't leave. Mm. They'll get you wherever mm. you can. So I don't think he's speaking in the broader sense, but I know <laughs> June is very much on his mind and she can't leave. They're still getting her. But, yeah, I think he's, his comment to Rose is probably very specific to their situation in Gilead. Mm. But, yeah, there, there's that expression across the apps. You have jogged my memory, though, Natalie, about um, that's right. Last, last um, episode we were talking about where his motivations lie, where his loyalties lie. Mm. And actually now this episode after he said, I'm I'm no one about, you know, to, talking mm. about his relationship to June. I'm no one to her. Now I feel like he's staying because he's motivated by self-loathing and guilt about what he's done and he doesn't feel like he deserves to leave. Again, a little bit like Lawrence, quite a bit like Lawrence. Um, so that's where I see. I don't, I don't see him as a Gilead super believer anymore, um, especially not after what he's done this episode. Well, I, they certainly don't seem that way. <laughs> you really get the impression that, that Rose is on the money when she tells him that, he, you know, he's never really loved her. He's just been trying to be the, the mm. good guy and do the right thing. You know, he's been trying to play the part of the Gilead commander and, you know, he's finally realised that he can't keep up that game and he's, mm-hmm. you know, he can't continue in that way. And I think, yeah, in a way that really has answered our lingering question over the seasons of where his allegiances lie and, and uh, you know, whether he secretly is holding up the Gilead banner. Mm. And, you know, he isn't. He isn't at all. And I think it's mm. really come out in this episode, his kind of little breakdown over June. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, we have commented all across the season how bad he's been at being a commander and yes. all his tells and his... <laughs> He's just not good at playing the game. Yeah, because he was performing it. Um, and then, you know, last episode with the trying to make it clear to June that he has to stay. Because I, I also, I went back to episode one of this season and the recap of last season. Mm. And I, I was thinking of last season when he and June met up at the house and he did say to her, I should have run away with you when I had the chance. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. And, and to Willow's comment, triggered that I guess um Mm. reminded me of that but yeah he do you think it was the mention of Luke at the hospital that got him on this kind of path that I will I'm nothing to her she's got people Mm. and that Mm. that um, he's I think he's always been that way though right as far that's like from the very beginning he's never thought that he was worth saving yeah yeah so that has been consistent yeah and I think it was finally her nearly dying. You know, June's faced so many threats over the seasons. But this time, like the fact that she was probably in a different country and away from his protection and um, and that she was hit by a car, most likely by a Gilead person and almost mm. died, I think that was just that was just too much. You know, Gilead yeah. breaks you, right? And you finally hit his breaking point. Yeah. I did feel also devastated for Nick because he's going to potentially live his life not being involved in either of his children's lives, yeah. you know, Nicole mm. in Canada slash US, wherever she's headed, and Rose's baby. And that's really sad. Mm. The thing is he's mm. made a deal with Canada, so he can't really afford to get caught and be on the outs in Gilead, right? Like what is this? What A, what is this deal? And B, what's happening with him in a cell? Like, what Well, is he the is on the outs in Gilead. Him here? I, I don't yeah. think that contract's worth the paper it's written on anymore. Like that, yeah. he, he, he doesn't have the, well, he certainly lost the stature that, whatever it was that he had, he was high up launching defence um, 
not defense, launching attacks <laughs> um, in Chicago and, and on the border there. So he's lost that cachet that he had. So I, it's tactically, you know, we, we were saying that June, June has strategy immediately <laughs> in the need to leave, you were saying that, but Nick just doesn't have it. He just lashed out. Um, yeah. Didn't think through how to effectively attack Gilead. It was a grudge. Pure um, emotion. You know, Mm. Yeah, well, it was pre emotion. Yeah. And Mackenzie's yeah. got him in his sights now. Like, I, I, he's definitely in a lot of danger. M- and Mackenzie has two reasons to hate him the way he's treated Rose, a dear family friend, and the <laughs> yes. fact that he's in love with the mother of his daughter, Agnes, you know? Mm-hmm. And attacking someone at a wedding in Gilead, like yeah. the, a sacred ceremony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, yeah. how many charges is it? <laughs> I have to say, like, we, um, we've talked about how we really enjoyed the Wheelers this season who were just so awful, they were great. But yeah. it does look like um, the Mackenzies, we just got a taster of them mm, this season. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like they're sort of shaping up to be the big bad of um, season six, yeah. which I'm looking yeah. forward to. Totally. Bring yeah. it on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that glare. Ooh, it's great. So that's the last we see of Nick. So we'll do a little wrap-up and predictions um, at the end. But then final scene. June on the train. Nicole won't settle, uh, so she's making her way through the carriage. What a coincidence. Serena, <laughs> Serena Joy Waterford. <laughs> How did you feel when that reveal happened, that it was Serena? Because <gasps> I felt anger. I was like, ah, oh, not you again. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. I loved it so much. I was like, yes, like that scene sort of made me wish that we were watching it in a pub, you know, where like the whole crowd could just like scream when it happens. That was the sort of mood I was in. Anger for June. I mean, as a viewer, like it's great. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So what are the circumstances that got her there? Um, You know, I guess... Jumping in the car, she went to Tuello and mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. you know, there were trains obviously heading heading out. So, you know, that that puts them in, in the same um, vicinity. And I guess when you're on the train with the baby, you'd take them to the back to try and get away from everyone else to settle them. So, you know, <laughs> I was just trying to look <laughs> yeah. the logic of like, Literally how? Because <laughs> that's how I have to deal with things. Like Twello's always had a soft spot for her, right? You know, yeah. so even even though it looked like her options were over, you can just imagine that by the time she got to him, she was now properly at her rock bottom, you mm. know, like she's mm. never quite gotten there before. She's gotten close, but now she was in a fully vulnerable state where she absolutely was in a handmade position and she had to run and she was now out of options. So by the time she probably got to Twello, like she was a, no more of her games, you know, I think like the games yeah. would have been over and he can't resist helping a damsel in distress. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> I did love it. I thought it was actually one of the things I've done um, really well this season that I've enjoyed is how they've brought in all these elements of babies in parenthood that I'd kind of forgotten but which are very realistic and I could just absolutely imagine being June on a train with your baby that won't settle and then you hear another child mm. and you would. You would naturally yeah. gravitate to that parent to go, oh, look, there's another baby on the train. Yeah. Like you absolutely <laughs> would do that. Because they wouldn't judge um, you. <laughs> yes, glare exactly. at you. Yeah. And that's rare in that world too, you know, when there's a fertility crisis. Like the, the, the odds of seeing another baby are probably quite yeah. um, mm. quite. Yeah. They also won't steal your baby, <laughs> you know. They've got their own. <laughs> True. In this world. <laughs> the other thing about Serena this season, 
We have seen so many faces of Serena this season. Like, she has just played a million roles and done it all amazingly. Like, we've had Serena, the powerful, aggrieved uh, Gilead widow to begin with. We've had Serena, the refugee, um, the Serena, the inmate, this, like, you know, Serena, the handmaid, and now Serena, um, a refugee, yeah, on the run, uh, completely without options. She's just been mm-hmm. through such a crazy journey, perhaps more than anyone this season. And it's been uh, kind of awesome to watch. She's without options and apparently also without without diapers. So <laughs> she didn't get a chance to properly shop. I feel like she was joking there. I think she was trying to make a connection and a bond with June there. I don't, I don't think she's totally without diapers. I mean, that'd be reckless, but... <laughs> So the last time they saw each other obviously was in the detention centre when um, June was giving her the advice of how to cope being a handmaid. Somewhat surprising to see Serena on the train, I would imagine. <laughs> I was surprised to see her smiling so much. There was a big smirk on her face there, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was communicating their last conversation where um, June had told her to plot a revenge and get out and Serena's smile is saying, look, you told me to do it. I did it. I got out. Here I am. Look at me. <laughs> I listened. <laughs> the the smile wasn't really reciprocated by June, but I did find myself kind of taken aback going like, oh my goodness, have am I getting my wish to see these two together, yeah. like on the same side, working yes. together? And then I'm like, oh, is this what I even want? I don't know how I feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is this too easy? What's going to happen? So, yeah. It now looks like they're um, running away to an island paradise together to raise their babies together. <laughs> this is a whole other show now. That's a very nice interpretation of that train situation. (laughs) It's like I want June to be running away with Luke or Nick, not Serena. She's running away with Nicole, guys. Nicole. (laughs) And Serena happens to be there. I did wonder why um, Rita or Mora didn't join them on their escape. Like, why is June having to do this alone? It didn't have to be this way. But anyways. Yeah, that's interesting. They're kind of absent through all the second half of the episode. Like, they're still American refugees in Toronto. They're not that mm. safe, you know. They might yeah, not be the big true. names, but... Yeah, I guess they don't feel that immediate threat, so then maybe they'll wait for the next one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and actually, with June on the train and the and the whole sequence of her getting to the train, I did think she was very clever never to go through with being the PR face of refugees in Canada because she was kind of moving through anonymously, right? Mm. And if she yeah, had followed yeah. through on Tuella's um, hopes for her to be the face, uh, th- that wouldn't have been the case. Yeah, yeah, true. I like the um, repeat of the flicking as well, the light um, in the carriage as June was making her way down, sort of just echoing that Janine shot a little bit. But so here we are. It's, I mean, there's a lot in this episode, but kind of an optimistic ending, um, <laughs> which is odd okay. for a season for Handmaids. Well, that's what's really funny is because, like, um, it's it's so fitting to me that in the end, if you look at all the characters and where they've ended up and the ones that I'm worried about and the ones that I'm not worried about, June and Serena, weirdly enough, for the first time with June, I'm not really worried about her. They are both survivors. And look at them on a train off to potential freedom, whereas everyone else is in dire straits. Mm. So Janine's locked up, Nick's locked up, Luke's locked up, (laughs) and June and Serena are on a train with their babies bound for Hawaii. It's unless anyone intervenes. It's interesting you say it's an optimistic ending because that's not how I feel about it at all. I feel it's a really tragic ending. They, um, particularly for June to have to be on the run again. Like I just, I feel so mm-hmm. sad for her and to have to be on the run with her baby alone. Um, and there's no guarantee that this trip to Hawaii is going to go well. You know, this show will throw all oh, sorts yeah. of things. I'm, I'm actually really, um, 
I'm quite sad <laughs> at the end of this. It's not great, but she never really settled. She tried to, this yeah. season was her trying to settle and, you know, come to terms mm. with her freedom. And she had it for a fleeting moment, mm. sipping that cup of tea. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, like this is her default setting as we know it. Yeah. It's not great for her, but it's it's kind of her, it's her lane. Um, That's true. And the, those survival tactics. But, you know, compared to where she was about 45 minutes earlier in the episode <laughs> crushed by a pickup <laughs> yeah. truck. Yeah. She's doing okay. Okay, sure. I, um, I can get that. Yeah, I'm yeah. counting it as a win that she's not in New Bethlehem. Let's just say that. Yes, yes. And it's like you think of the season finales along the way. Like I was going through, like season one was June bundled into the van pregnant mm. and then trying to escape first time. Second one was handing over Nicole to Emily and staying, having had Serena's assistance to, to get Nicole in the first place. You know, but that was season two. Season three was Angel's Flight. Again, she had to stay to make it all happen. Four was Fred, of course, <laughs> the, <laughs> the big attack. And so this year, Serena and June post-Gilead together with their own babies heading mm. off into the unknown without mm. well, both of June's guys are locked up. <laughs> Not that she yeah. knows that about Nick yeah. yet, but, um, yeah, it's... Unfamiliar territory, but, um, yeah, again, another train motif is playing a big, big mm. part here. Um, mm. And yeah. also for all my talk of windows, this this episode, the final shot is them mm. through the window heading off into, yeah, a, a scary new world. Yeah, yeah. And to a Billie Eilish song, mm. I Want to End Me. Good choice. Yeah. yeah, I thought so too. I have a very long bow to draw with that song <laughs> about what might happen with Janine. <laughs> I don't know yeah, if I'm reading yeah, right. way too much into this. Go the second it. time around that um, her line, bury a friend, comes around. First time it's it's on Bruce Miller's name. I think he's sticking around. Second time, <laughs> um, uh, Madeline Brewer's name flashes up on that line and I was like, oh. ooh, is, ooh, is Janine headed for her end and her demise here? Is that what that's saying? I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, I do. Ooh. I mean, are we getting into predictions now? I think we are. Because, yeah, um, like, let's do predictions. Yeah. Like the Janine, the Janine and Lydia, they are so closely aligned and, you know, Aunt Elizabeth makes the point. It's starting to get noticed, her favouritism towards Janine. So, yeah, I mean, it, I feel like if, if Lydia needs that extra impetus, I don't know, Janine's fate could really help push her over the edge. Like I said, I think, you know, Lawrence better watch his back in more ways than one. I mean, Nick's out of the picture for temporarily, but, yeah, Lydia will come for him if Janine's killed or, or mm-hmm. maimed even further. I kind of at this stage feel like she will be killed. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's of course, again, what we're being led to fear and believe perhaps. But um, yeah, I wonder if Lawrence is going to take out his self-loathing, his anger about June, all these things on, on Janine. Hmm. It, she does seem at risk as a character if if she's the kind of driving motivation of Lydia's rise to power in Gilead and her kind of driving force in blackmailing commanders in the future and things like that, hmm. then it kind of makes sense in a narrative sense that something horrible will happen to Janine to, to be the driving force for Lydia. Yeah. Mm. But for me, once I saw that the Martha was in the truck with Janine, that made me think they're going to be okay Oh, because it's Lawrence and he always does surprising stuff that we don't mm. expect. He's been quite sympathetic in the past. So I'm wondering if he, and he's always, you know, multiple steps ahead with lots of plans. So 
He's always been sympathetic to the women that don't just go along with Gilead. So mm. I was just wondering if maybe he was solving a problem by making it look like he's being harsh on a Martha and on a handmaid, but actually mm. the two of them are in a truck, just the two of them, and maybe they're getting whisked away somewhere else. So that's my, that's because mm. I, I can't go into season six thinking that Janine's going to die in episode one. I can't. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I'm telling myself this instead. They may pull a season two premiere on us as well and, like, it's a faux hanging just to teach <laughs> oh, <yeah>. lesson. Yeah. <laughs> we still remember that. that. Yeah. That was horrifying, um, yeah. Yeah. Or I was thinking in, in um, Lydia's interaction with um, Elizabeth earlier on, she Elizabeth says they'll find another use for her if you don't yes. put her in a home. So, yeah, what is that other use? And I, I was thinking, you know, they've brought up this horrific idea of a uterus harvesting. Oh. That could bring her back in the world of Esther. Like, she, she may... They may be going to do that procedure. I was thinking maybe that's a way that can put them back in the same um, orbit. They are two words I never want to hear again. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, my God. Maybe they take her uterus and stick her in the colonies. Colonies? Yeah, we haven't seen colonies. colonies. Oh, you might see Holly. That would be great. Oh, hello. Yeah. See, we need to go into season six with hope. So everyone's got to think about the thing. (laughs) Season six finale, June and Holly reunited. (laughs) I will take it. I will take it. Yeah. Like go explore the carriage, June. Maybe Holly. (laughs) Maybe Holly. Get away from Serena. (laughs) All right. Look, any more big predictions before we sign out for this season? I mean, not a single thing I thought was going to yeah. happen apart from Serena shooting Ezra <laughs> happened this season. Yeah. So <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Janine's in danger. I mean, all the obvious things. Nick's in danger. Luke's in danger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something's going to happen. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how Lawrence reacts in the next season because he's clearly under the watchful gaze of Mackenzie and he's revealed a little bit to Mackenzie in that scene where he kind of, shouted us, it wasn't me, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I think yes. he's going to be, you know, pushing the thumb down harder next season and it will be interesting to see what Lawrence does under that pressure. Mm. Yeah, agree. I still maintain his days are numbered, but um, well, <laughs> until he's not, <laughs> I'm going to hang in there. We've seen him on a couple of occasions express genuine remorse about his actions, but at the moment he's just doubling down on them for appearances. So, yeah, I think that's got to come to a head in some way mm. in season six. I think we'll definitely see more of how Aunt Lydia becomes Aunt Lydia of the Testaments. You know, that's definitely going to be explored. Yes. And on that, we're going to do a um, separate episode, I think, post-season. Um, we're going to look at the ways that the Testaments has um, has come in in this season. Probably requires rereading it. Yeah, <laughs> it's I been a while. Say, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Or well, you could just listen to our uh, recap or slash book Ooh. review. <laughs> I don't want to hear my voice. Oh, my God, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Well... Thanks for listening. We hope that helped. That's it until they make the next season and we're hanging out for it. We're off to go open a tiki bar called Treason and Coconuts in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> um, and hopefully our first customers, June and Serena. So here is where I would say we wait for the next episode, but we've got a long way ahead of us. So uh, you can go and watch the box set of Season 5 to pick up on everything again, have another rewatch. Um, all episodes of Season 5 are now available to stream at SBS On Demand. And we hope to be back with some end-of-season special interviews, so we will drop those into your feed as soon as we have them. But thank you, as always, to my co-hosts, Sana Kadar, Natalie Hambly and Haiti Island for watching this season along with me. 
And thank you for listening. We cannot wait to hear what you think of the finale. And it's been a thrill to um, have you watch along with us. But So tell us all your thoughts. Uh, reach out on Twitter and you can find me at anythingbutfifi and use that hashtag, Eyes on Gilead. Natalie, where can we find you? At Natalie Hambly. Sana, where can we find you? At Sana underscore Kadar. And Heidi, where can we find you? At Heidi Island. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. So, do we have any to call that? There was one person who um, noted that uh, the painting I was talking about above Lawrence and the Commanders last week was Georgia O'Keeffe's Black Iris, which I did notice in the end credits this episode. So I thought, ah, oh, okay, that's what it was. And I looked it up, and yeah, that's exactly it. And it is meant to be representing female geni- genitalia. So yeah. I read all that right <laughs> without knowing what I was talking about. <laughs> So, yes, tell us all your thoughts and reach out and use the hashtag Eyes on Gilead. And while we have you, uh, leave a review and give us a rating on the podcast app you're listening to us on. It helps other people to find the show. Eyes on Gilead is produced by me, Fiona Williams, and edited and mixed by Jeremy Wilmot. Until next time, don't let the bastards grind you down. You don't own me, I'm not your My dear, you cannot stay here indefinitely.